Hey beautiful, I am so happy that you are here. My name's Courtney. I'm a wife, a toddler mom, and a 30-something year old Ohio girl just trying to find my thing. In this podcast, it's all about transparency with ourselves and each other. If you hang with me, we are going to build a community where self-care isn't selfish. Talking about anxiety and depression is as easy as asking about your favorite color. And we're going to try every damn day to be the best version of ourselves. So if you're ready to chase your own dreams, even after chasing around a little one, then you're in the right place. This is Chasing Courage. Hey guys, so for today's episode, we have a little bit of a heavier topic. Um, For those of you who are not aware, September is Suicide Awareness Month. And I wanted to kind of wrap the month up by not ignoring this topic because it is one that I believe is very important. Um, And as someone who struggles with mental health personally, again, I am all about the the awareness and the prevention um, of anyone taking their, their own life. So I want to give a notice here, first of all, that this episode or this interview um, may may be uh, what would be considered a, a trigger. So this this here is the warning um, that this episode contains um, some not not so much detailed, but um, the story, the story of an individual's uh, successful suicide have linked in the show notes some resources that that you can take advantage of if you or someone you know or love is struggling um, with these thoughts or feelings. But I, I am very, very honored that um, a dear friend and old sorority sister of mine um, had the courage to get on a Zoom call with me and share this experience um, that she went through with her with her husband. And I also just want to say, um, apologize, I guess, because the audio quality of this interview is definitely not the best. Our internet connection struggled slightly. But if you can get past that with us, um, I promise that you will definitely feel um, hopefully a little bit of sense of hope um, here at the end of this thing. So let's get to know uh, Katie and Shane. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I call you Katie, but you go by Katie Jean. KJ is how I knew you back in our college days. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for um, being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. So to give, um, I want to give my audience a little background about you. Um, Katie's from Ohio. Uh, she was born and raised here, but then went to live um, in my favorite state, Michigan, for a little bit of her life and then came back to Ohio. And she and I met in college and we went to um, a small school outside of Columbus, Ohio. And uh, Katie went to school to be uh, a teacher. And that is what she does now. She is a fifth grade teacher. Um a mental health advocate, and that is definitely one of the the main reasons that I wanted to have her on here today. So, a little bit, I guess we could go into like a little bit more detail about how about how you and me specifically met, and I'll kind of let you tell that story. I mean, I actually wonder if our stories are the same about how we met. Come to think of it, but you take it from here. <laughs> um. So we pledged the same sorority and we were in the same sorority class, um, which brings a lot of closeness to you. Yeah. Especially ours. um, Our motto was to stick always together and we did that pretty well. So, (laughs) yeah, but I, I literally remember where we were the first time that I ever spoke to you. Do you remember? I do not. We were sitting. I have a horrible memory. <laughs> we we were sitting on the floor in the living room of the outhouse. Like I don't know if it was like during pledging or like even prior to like actually you know becoming an owl. But I just I don't know. I remember. I think it was you and um, Kelly, right? My roommate. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's how we knew each other. So. Gosh, that's crazy. I mean, we have known each other for, what is that? Almost, almost 13, because we were 18 when we went into college. 
right. almost 13 years. Crazy. Okay. So then um, I guess we'll paint the picture a little bit of who Shane is, right? Except who we're going to talk about a lot during this episode, but who Shane is and um, I'll, I'll let you obviously talk about how you and him met. Um, so before I go into that, I just want to say that like, I know everyone's perspective is different and even two people who are in a relationship, their perspective on the relationship is different. So I'll be speaking specifically from my perspective with Shane and with everything that I experienced with him. And I totally understand that other people's perspectives are different because their relationship with him was different. And anyone who might've been through something similar to what I've been through, they may be in a different place and they may have had a different perspective. So this is just from me and from my expe- um, experiences and my perspective. So I just want to put that out there before we get started. I'm so happy that you just said that. <laughs> I just, I've been thinking about talking about it. And when I talk to other people um, and I hear other people's stories, I'm just reminded that every person is different and it's okay exactly where you are. So, yep. but um, Shane and I met in college. Um, the first time I met him, he was not a pretty sight. So I'll leave that part of the story out. Um, and he was actually dating another girl at the time when I met him. Um, but we, um, had a, we just had a friendship and then that built into more. And, uh, I think the, the moment that our relationship took the next level is when he decided to leave college. And um, he was very worried about what his family was going to think. Um, But he had a passion and he wanted to pursue that passion. And he asked me, he's like, you know, what's going to happen with that? I said, whatever makes you happy, that's what you need to do. And that's what I'm here to do is to support you. And if we don't work out, then we don't work out. But you need to do what makes you happy. And so I think that was really a pivotal point for our relationship. We dated for over eight years before we got engaged, um, which is crazy. But uh, we dated a long time, made it through all of our 20s. I mean, you grow up a lot in your 20s. And him and I spent all that time together. So a lot of who I am today is because of that relationship. And the stuff that he challenged me to become and the stuff that I challenged him to become and just the different experiences that we had. So we got engaged and I did not know he was going to propose to me at that time. We were actually just walking um, down a side street and he was telling me um, about how he would always tell me that like I was the most amazing thing that had ever happened to him in his life. And he said, how do you feel about being the most amazing thing for the rest of my life. So that's how he proposed to me. And we had a short engagement because we dated for eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, and I, like I will say is, um, is an outsider looking in again, a perspective thing, but I'm sure you guys had family and friends that were like this too, but you know, you're the type of couple that people are like, like, when are they going to get engaged? When are they going to get married? Because you were just, I mean, you were always together. And I feel like it's also really rare that couples stay together through all through college and then post-college. You know what I mean? Like you said, those are, those are hard growing years. Um, and like you guys, you, you, you survived those and all of the growing pains that come with that. And then like, you know, so, you know, and we can all watch each other's lives on social media and we're like, oh my gosh, KJ and Shane are still together, but they're not engaged yet. Like (laughs) when's this happening? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And it it was really hard because I was still in school and he had a full-time job. So having that different mindset of him having all those responsibilities as a quote adult and here I am still in college and I don't necessarily have those um, responsibilities was also a really big struggle. That was something that we really had to work through as a couple. Yeah. So yeah, that those were some trying years for sure. 
Now, when, when did you guys get engaged? Um, August 24th of 2017. Okay. Because again, this is another weird memory thing. Um, Mm -hmm. the last time that I saw you and Shane was, um, Labor Day weekend of 2016. And we were out for Taylor's bachelorette party. Yeah. Do you remember running into us? I think so. I mean, I feel like a bachelorette party has to be a couple different places. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, no, possibly. This is just the one that I remember, but I remember seeing both of you. Um, I don't know where we were because I'm not like familiar with downtown Columbus, but, um, so like a year before a year before. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't talk to you much, but I talked to Shane and, um, I remember giving him crap being like, when are you going to marry this girl? And he was like, like I I am, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) Yeah. We've got that a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, I was giving him hardcore crap. Um, and then, okay, so you said Shane made the decision to leave school. I guess I never really made that connection. So how many years of college had he completed before he went on to, uh, was it, is it the, the academy? Is that the actual, like, terminology? So he went to college for one year, and then okay. he actually went to Columbus State to get his um, firefighter certificate. I remember this. And now. was part-time. Mm-hmm at a couple different places and then went to um, a career center for his EMT basic, got on full time at a fire department and then went to grant to get his paramedic license. So he actually had all the certifications before he got hired on at Columbus. And he had actually had two full-time jobs prior to that. And I want to say like four part-time jobs. So he had a lot of experience before he went to Columbus. So you guys were married in December of 17. Um, yeah. And the, did you get you, did you live together before you were married? Say that one more time. Did you live together before you were married? Yeah, we actually um, lived together a lot. We lived together our third year of dating and then almost the rest of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't like really a transition. Like that was like your roommate, your best friend, like, totally used to it. No, we actually lived in a condo that Shane owned together. And then we bought a house together. And actually right after we got married, we moved into another new house. So oh. we had actually had our new house purchased before we got married. But I laughed because he's like, you can never just do one thing. Like, why do you always have to have 5 million things going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you can see the questions and I can see the questions too. And so, like, I'm just even having a hard time, like, getting to this and asking. Um, so, I guess just I don't really know if there's any type of transition that you need to make from, like, honeymoon stage of post-marriage to March of 2019? Like if there's any type of events or anything that you would like to discuss um, or bring up, uh, or if you just want to dive right into to March of 2019. Um, I guess like I said, the thing about the honeymoon period, but you know, every relationship like I said, even about like him and I growing up together, every relationship has its struggles. And um, we definitely had our, our issues. Um, He had his issues. I had mine and we had our issues together. And like one of those issues that we were facing was trying to have a baby and I was going through testing and he was going through testing and we found out some not so good news. Um, did that play a part in March 3rd? I don't think so. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that was not my decision what happened on March 3rd. Uh, definitely relationships have their ups and downs. And we definitely had our ups and downs. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, 
So March 3rd, um, woke up, he was training for this 50 mile, um, rock is what they call it. It's basically a hike for 50 miles and you have to carry a weighted pack. And, um, he was training with a couple guys from work they were all going to do it and they would go every Sunday and walk anywhere from eight to 15 miles just to prepare their body for this. So he went and did that. Um, the guys came over to our house that day and they walked in our neighborhood and they came back, hung out at the house, had a couple beers. Um, he left to go to a um, diaper party for one of his really good buddies, actually his cousin's husband. And I went to clean my parents' condo. And it was just one of those days where, like, he was upset with me. I was upset with him. And we just needed our space. But um, we always came back and everything was always fine after we took our space. He always knew that. Like, he knew that he needed his space when he got upset. Mm -hmm. And I am not like that. Like, I want to hash it out. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Get it over with. So yeah. then everything can be peachy. Yeah. Um, but he's not like that. And I know everyone's different. So I went and cleaned my parents' condo on my way back. I texted him that I was headed home and that I was going to stop at the grocery store to pick up some stuff for dinner. Um, and he had texted me. Um, I was like, okay, sounds good. I tried to call him when I got to the grocery store and um, he didn't answer, which wasn't really anything new. He didn't answer his phone a lot. Um, so I didn't think anything too much of it. Tried to text him again. Um, he didn't respond. So I was like, you need to call me. Like, what is going on? So I got home, opened up my trunk of my car, went inside, put the groceries down. And I'm like, where the heck is he? Like, I know he's here. His truck was in the driveway and he hasn't been answering. Like he's being a turd. Like what the heck is going on? I was like, I'm going to go give him crap for this. This is not okay. Mm -hmm. Like was so he? I like saw that he was in the bathroom. So I walked down there and I like knocked on the door and I was like, Shane, what is going on? I was just going to say, what typically would have transpired? Like when you got home from the grocery, like would he have come out? to greet you, to help bring in the groceries? I mean, or was everything about it off or? Yeah. Normally, like if he saw that I had groceries, he might've come out and helped me or um, he was a really good cook. So sometimes he would have started dinner because I yeah. texted him like what I was planning on making for dinner. Yeah. Um, normally like the curtains would be open in the living room, which was off the front of the house. And like, he was taking classes um, to get his degree. And so I knew he had classwork that night. So I was like, okay, if I pull in, see him sitting on the couch, like I know he's doing schoolwork and that's why he didn't answer or respond. But I pulled up and the curtains were closed. Like it, it didn't really look like he was even home. So I just knew like something was up, like what the heck was bothering him. So I want to be like, you know, hey, I've called you how many times I've texted you, you haven't responded, like what is going on? And um, there was just like no response. And so I was like listening because I could hear something. And um, I heard our wedding song playing. And I was like, that's weird. Like he does not listen to that just randomly by himself, especially yeah. if he's in the restroom. Um, so I tried to like open up the door and it was locked. Um, and honestly, like, I don't even remember how I got the door open, but I got the door open and it was evident that he had taken his own life, which I don't think I have ever felt so alone when I saw him there. Um, it was like every nightmare you could imagine all in one like split second um I have never called 911 <laughs> it 
in my dreams when I have to call 911, it never works. So um, that was really scary. And it just felt Did you like forever. So um, I tried to see if like he would respond to me. Um, I'm CPR trained. So with being a teacher, so like I tried to look for the signs of life and like couldn't really find anything. Um, so I called 911 and told them what had happened. And um, the girl was just trying to talk me through different things, um, like to feel for a pulse to see if I could feel if he was breathing, um, different things like that. And a police officer actually got to my house first and he really didn't know what to do. And he just wanted me to stay out of the bathroom. And I can't explain the feeling, but like, I just didn't want to be in my body. I didn't want to sit still. I just wanted this to be a bad dream. I wanted to wake up. Um, I remember just like sitting on the ground, um, like my coat and my pants were drenched and I was just sitting on the ground, like just rocking back and forth um, because my body just didn't know what to do. And um, I remember the first person who called me, um, his uncle called me because his son is a fireman and actually had, um, I can't think of what it's called right now, but the radio um, and heard that they were dispatched to my house. house. Um, And so he called and he said, you know, Katie, I heard that the ambulance is being dispatched to your house. Is everything okay? And I was like, no, it's not. And um, his parents actually lived behind us. So he was there very quickly. Um, and then I had to call, um, his parents, which was, um, a very difficult call. And I'm glad that I didn't have time to think about it because I'm an overthinker and definitely would have overthought the call. Um, and so they got there and, um, there's a guy who works um, out where we lived. He's a fireman. And I used to always say to Shane, like, what if something happens when you're at work? Like, I'm all alone. What am I going to do? And he would always say, um, Harvey will be there. Harvey works the same day I do. So if there's ever an issue, Harvey will be there. And I was like, okay. I knew him really well. Like, we played softball together. I was like, okay, yeah, I trust him. I, he's a good guy. Like that makes me feel better. And, um, the day that Shane passed away, who was the first fireman who walked through the door was Harvey. And I was just like, it brought so much comfort to me because I knew Shane had always said he would be there. Um, and so for him to be the first one who walked through made me feel better. And, um, I knew almost every single fireman who came into my house that night, which definitely had to have been hard for them. Um, But it was definitely comforting to me because I knew them. Um, So yeah, his parents came over. Um, I had to call my parents and tell them what was happening. I have a brother who lives here in Columbus and he came over um, and then I have a brother who now lives in Columbus, but he lived in Dayton at the time. And um, he drove from Dayton to be with me. Um, and I just remember thinking that I didn't want it to be true, that it couldn't have, couldn't have happened. Um, and I just wanted to go back to my house because they made me leave my house, which I wasn't okay with. I just remember really wanting to go back to my house. Um, and then the week after that, um, I just remember feeling a lot of guilt, um, especially since Shane and I hadn't had like the most amazing day that day. Yeah. Um, and we had been having our own issues that we had been working through. That definitely made me feel bad. Um, but his uncle talked to me. Um, his uncle is a um, 
preacher and he's actually the one who did Shane's funeral. And he was absolutely my saving grace. Um, he told me when someone um, dies from suicide, a lot of questions that people have is why, what if, you know, you ask all those W questions. Yeah. And he told me, Katie, you have to focus on the truth. What do you know? And so that's really what I did and what I continue to do. I know that Shane loved me and I know that he knew I loved him. Um, and that's not something that I ever doubt. Does it hurt when people say that that's not the case? Absolutely. That hurts. Yeah. Um, cause I'm the only one here to defend that too. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> but, gosh. Yeah. Um, I know that that's the truth. Yeah. And he, he told me too, that, um, you know, I, my one gift could be to not have carry guilt. Um, guilt is something that can just truly rip you from the inside out. And I've never been somebody who harbors feelings like hate or anything like that, because I know that it really only hurts me. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely, definitely proud of where I am and the things that I've worked through in regards to that. Um, For sure. But it, it definitely hurts every day. Still have all that pain. So. Yeah. And I mean, we're what, a, I don't know, a year and a half. Is that how long it's been? A year and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Which I would imagine in some ways, does that feel like forever, but in other ways, does it feel like yesterday? Absolutely. Um, it feels like another life I lived, um, but in the same time, it still feels like yesterday. It's definitely a weird feeling, um, especially with trying to move forward. It's hard because I have to respect um, where I've come from and what I've been through. But I also don't always want to be looked at as Katie Shane's widow because I'm not just Katie Shane's widow. Like, yes, I have experienced that. And yes, it's not easy and it is a part of who I am, but I'm also more than that. Mm -hmm. So For sure. Um, I'm curious, what did you... You said like you're happy you didn't have the chance to overthink the phone call to his parents. What do you remember what you mm -hmm. said to them when you called them? Um, I just was very blunt. Um, I just like um, when I called his dad, I asked first if he was at work, which he was. Um, and I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I need to tell you something, you know, and told him what had happened. Um, and I remember just hearing him yell. Um, he must have been in the bay, which has very high ceilings and sounds echo. And I remember just hearing him yell. Um, and when I called his mom um, and told her, um, I heard the phone fall and I heard like, her almost fall to the ground and just start screaming. But I don't think there's any easy way to say that. No, absolutely not. 100%. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Like when I called my parents, so when I was trying to call my mom, my phone, it wouldn't go through. I don't know what was happening, but I couldn't get a hold of my mom. My phone was not working. Um, the fireman Harvey, who I was actually talking about, he gave me his phone and he was like, here, use my phone. See if you can get a hold of your mom. Couldn't get a hold of her. So I called my dad and he answered the, his phone and jokingly was like, Oh, what's the occasion? I get to hear from you today. And like was joking. And I was like, dad, this is not a joking manner. And like had to tell him and like, he still feels awful about that. But I told him, I was like, you know what? Like, that's what you would do. So yeah. you wouldn't have known, like, 
how would you have known that that's what I was calling to talk to you about? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and like, so I know we're going to dive into this a little bit here with these next couple questions, but I just want to backtrack really quick to like, you know, from Katie, yeah. KJ, KJ and I were in the same sorority and then, you know, so with her dating Shane, um, obviously I just, I, I knew Shane and Shane was just like, he, he's like happy, like life of the party. I don't know. It's just, you know, you hear of some people who take their own lives and you are just, you're like not shocked. And this is one of those people that you're completely confused and shocked. Absolutely. Um, I think it's so easy, you know, now to look back and be like, you know, these were the signs. Um, but also like so many signs that I've seen now and I see a counselor, um, still almost now I see her every other week. Um, and I've talked to her a lot about Shane and she's told me, you know, what she thinks, um, Shane was struggling with. And, um, it's easy to see those things now, but for me, that was always just who Shane was. Yeah. Um, he could be happy go lucky, like for the party one minute. And then the next minute he could be a raging fury. Yeah. You know, I mean, the littlest thing could piss him off, but, um, they used to joke, like that's how all of his uncles were like mm-hmm. his dad's like that. So they used to say that that was just like their thing was yeah. the, you know, anger. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Shane was always very like, he has a, a very addictive personality. Like he was either all in or all out. And that was just something that I knew about him. And mm-hmm. I never saw that as a downfall. I just saw, thought that he was very driven and had um, that determination. Um, but now looking at different things like that, I can see what, what they were kind of portraying. Was there anything else specific that, that when you look back now, you're like, oh, okay, that was signs. Like, I get even more specifically, like, did Shane ever say to you, I feel that I have, I feel I have depression or, you know, maybe I should go see somebody. No, um, he, like, I talked to him a lot about that. Um, his mom talked to him a lot about it. Um, he also like with, um, different things, like, I mean, he just would go all in and, um, I finally talked to him. Um, I think it was the spring before we got engaged. I told him, I was like, there's something going on here and I cannot be that support for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm supporting to you. Yes. I will listen to you. I will try to help you, but you need someone from an outside perspective. Even if I give you the same advice, it's going to be different coming from somebody who's not in our relationship. Yep. And I have been in counseling pretty much my entire life. So it's not something that's taboo to me. Yeah. Um, I enjoy having someone else tell me that I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he did go and see a counselor um, for a little bit, um, but he didn't enjoy it. And um, what he had told me, which I don't know is the whole truth. Um, but he said that, you know, like, they kind of said what everybody else said, that I should just be happy, that I have this perfect life and I just need to change my perspective. But um, now looking at it, like, I don't think he was telling the whole truth. It might have made him uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, what counseling was talking about, like from what I've talked to my counselor about, she has said that like, a lot of times counselors push you to go through things that are uncomfortable and that make you realize stuff that isn't perfect about yourself, but that you can improve. Yeah. But you have to go through all that crap to be the better person on the other side. And a lot of people, it's very hard to do. Yeah. 
And you really have to have the determination to do that. So yeah. I don't know if, you know, Shane saw that as too much for him. I don't know. But also he saw it as he had told me that um, with the fire department, that if you go to counseling for certain things or they um, say that you have something I don't know what specifically he was talking about, but if they diagnose you with something that you potentially could not get a job somewhere because they see you as more of a risk, um, which I was like, I cannot believe that. Like you're getting help, you know, like yeah. that should be a good thing. Right. It's better that they know that you're working through this rather than you're just a loose cannon that they don't know about. Right. But that was something that he worried about. Um, I mean, I, I, I can, I can understand that from his perspective though. I mean, with his, with how driven he was and his passion for being, you know, in that uh, industry, like if he was like, oh, like if, if they, if I get diagnosed with X, Y, Z, and then mm-hmm. the department hears about it and that might um, put my, put my career at risk. Like I can totally, yeah. I mean, like my husband, my husband would totally do that type of thing. Um, so, I mean, I, as crazy as that is, like where I am, I understand from your point of view where you say like, you know, but yes, you get the diagnosis, but so long as you're seeking the treatment or taking the medication or whatever, um, that should be what matters. Yeah. Did, um, so from what you, from everything that you just said, I'm going to assume, but I will ask that way. I don't assume. So he never, he mm-hmm. never took a, a medication for, anxiety or depression or anything? So he never told me, um, he had never told me that he had received prescriptions from, um, the counselor, but, um, after his passing, um, the detectives found some prescriptions that he was prescribed, um, and they were prescribed right around the time that he was going to counseling. But, um, they said that there were only about two weeks worth of pills missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he must have, I'm going to assume um, that he must have started taking them and maybe he didn't like the way that they made him feel or whatnot, but I don't ever remember him telling me about them. Yeah. And there were none in his system when he passed away either. So as I've, I've been very transparent through this podcast platform and then like on my social media about my own depression and anxiety struggles and your and Shane's story touches me because it's kind of like a flipped, a flipped script for like me and my husband. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I, granted I'm open and honest and like I I take the medication, I go to counseling and I like am upfront about these feelings I feel in this diagnosis that I have, but um, my husband is someone that he's never dealt with it. And it's almost like his mind can't imagine what my mind thinks. And, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was just like, what, if anything, could Shane have said to you or shared with you to like help you understand what he was like thinking or feeling? I think it's hard. Um, like there's so many things that he said to me that like, I didn't really take as a big deal. Um, but now that I'm in those situations, I totally understand them. Yeah. Um, like he used to say that he wanted us to just like quit our job, sell our house and go live in like one of those Mercedes mobile vans and we would just drive around. Yeah. And I was like, no, like we've talked about, our dream jobs. Like we have our dream jobs, like we're wherever we want to be, you know? And I was like, we can't do that. Like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. But now that I'm in the situation where no matter where I go, people, um, for the most part know who I am or they see me. Um, and I just feel like all eyes are on me all the time and I can't do anything just for myself. I totally understand that. Like yeah. sometimes I just want to escape and not feel and go away all that pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is seeking counseling and seeking help. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a struggle, um, especially for men. Yeah. Women, I feel like it's easier. I know when Shane was looking for a counselor, um, he had a really hard time finding someone who he could relate to. Yep. Um, so I know that that's a struggle for men, but even just like with my counselor that I see now, she helps me see other people's perspectives or helps walk me through how to approach a situation. I mean, until you have experienced it yourself, it's hard to grasp the concept of being in that depression black hole, being so anxious that you literally cannot stop your body from shaking, Um, feeling like no matter what you do, your life always sucks. And what is the point of going on? Mm-hmm. until you've been in that situation and you felt those feelings, I don't know if there's something that someone can tell you to help you understand. Yeah. I, um, I kind of agree with you. I mean, like even when, like I had had anxiety in high school and took medication for it. And when Shane would talk to me about different feelings he was having, if I was on a high, you know, and I was feeling good about life, I just felt like he was trying to bring me down and I couldn't understand his perspective because I had such a high and was just loving life at that point. You were in a good place. Yeah. And same with like the opposite. If he was in a good place and I was struggling, it was hard for us to relate about that. So I think just talking to outside help. And again, like I said, I know it's hard and a lot of times insurance doesn't cover it. I've had that issue with my counselor, which I think is hysterical and that's a whole other issue yeah. to talk about. <laughs> yes. But, um, it, I really do think going and seeking someone who has that education, who has that experience to help you or your spouse or your significant other walk through that, I think is more helpful than anything because you truly can't have something that that you say that makes them understand or fixes anything. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my perspective. I, I think it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask too, like just, just because of what his career was and his job, do you think, you know, high stress, right? I would imagine, but he also enjoyed that or thrived under that type of thing. So did he bring that home? Do, I mean, do you think that that played a part in it? Like, was that something he was harboring? I don't think so. And again, this is from my perspective. Right. He would always tell me that like when stuff was going bad, that's when he was successful. Right. And even in our relationship, when things were going well, he almost like self-sabotaged yeah. our good. So I think he was just so used to things being hard that that's what he liked. Yeah, he, he couldn't flourished deal in with that. things that were easy. Uh huh. Yep. And I like. I almost wonder if that's a characteristic of somebody who has like mental health issues because I For like sure. I totally relate with that. Like you're so used to things not being perfect and pretty and working out um, that you always are trying to figure out the hard shit. Um, yeah. because that's really how my mind works too. Like even like at work, when I go to, when I go to work, if I have a day where like, there's like issues that arise or it's crazy busy, I tend to have a better day than if I go to work and it's like boring and there's like nothing to worry about. Absolutely. I think, um, like you said, it goes back to the whole idea that you always have sparks firing in your brain. Yeah. And when those things aren't able to run, it kind of makes, um, people uncomfortable who are yeah. used to having that. Yeah. So then what do you do? You're like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with my body. I can't be moving. Yeah. You know, I need to find something to do. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. You said you've, you saw a counselor before all of this happened and then you obviously mm-hmm. are still continuing to see one. So you've always been somebody who believed in that, which I, obviously I think is great. Cause I definitely am on that boat too. Um, what would you say to somebody who isn't taking mental health seriously? I guess what I would say is mental health isn't black and white. It's not something that you can see. Um, Like with Shane, they can seem picture perfect on the outside. 
And they're just really good at putting up that mask because they don't want people to see what they're struggling with. Um, you know, it's not like um, cancer where you can just go in and get a scan and it pulls up that you have it. So it's hard to tell somebody who doesn't believe in mental health that it's really there. But um, when you when you see somebody struggle with the thoughts that present in their mind um, or you yourself have those thoughts, you know, it's real. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes even when my brain goes to a dark place, I don't realize I'm there until I've come out of it or I'm so deep into it that I need help to get out. So it's yeah. not something that's just like so obvious that yep. you're like, oh, that's mental health. There's, there's the issue there. That person needs help. It's yeah. not like that. And um, I guess what I would tell people who don't take mental health serious is I hope you never have to experience it. And I hope that none of your loved ones experience it because it is a hell that you cannot get yourself out of alone. Yeah. Hundred percent. That was I, I really like that analogy of comparing it to like a cancer scan and stuff too. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, on a little bit of a lighter, well, what might be a lighter note? I feel like you might get passionate <laughs> about this, and I kind of want you oh, to no. <laughs> because you know where I'm going. You are in a relationship with someone now. Mm-hmm. You have a boyfriend, and you are happy, and. Mm-hmm. I love that you are happy and I love that you're posting pictures with this person on social media, but I can tell from some of the posts and stuff that you have put that it seems that you might be getting some um, unwelcomed opinions for lack of a better term of what this is. And I mean, I just, if you could, first of all, I would like to just know a little bit about this man and how he came into your life. (laughs) But then second of all, I mean, it literally blows my mind that people think that they could judge how and when it's okay for a widow to have a boyfriend again. So, um, before I talk about Kyle, um, (laughs) I mean, I think just going back to different people's perspectives, everyone had a different relationship with Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be different. Like if Shane wasn't my husband, it would have been okay if he was my best friend. And now I have a new best friend. People probably wouldn't look at me as poorly. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's the difference of my relationship with him and how I can have a new person he doesn't take Shane's place, no. but I can have that new person who's a comfort to me. And so that rubs people sometimes the wrong way. Yeah. Again, I don't necessarily feel that people should impose their opinion, but they do. Yeah. Um, but Kyle and I actually, Kyle was supposed to go out on a date with one of my friends and, um, she was starting to see somebody else and was like, I can't go out with him. Like, I feel really bad. My friend set me up with him and, you know, like, I just don't feel like it's fair to him. And, um, she had told me that the reason why her friend set him up was because his girlfriend had recently passed away and he just wanted to like help him get back out there. (laughs) And, um, I was like, well, I'll go. I mean, at least maybe I can have a friend who doesn't know me as Katie Jean, the widow, you know, like (laughs) maybe I can have another friend who just sees me for me and we have that connection that maybe we can talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so we went out on a date, had good conversation. Um, I didn't really feel any sparks, but that's okay. I mean, he was nice and everything was fine and we continued to go on more dates he helped me, you know, I lived alone with two dogs, but I lived out in the middle of nowhere. So I'm the biggest scaredy cat. <laughs> and um, Shane had bought a shotgun as like a home defense. Uh-huh. And um, I had told Kyle, I was like, I don't feel comfortable shooting it. Like I haven't shot it in a really long time. You know, if someone were to come into my house, I want to be able to protect myself. So Kyle took me shooting. Um, He just made me feel more comfortable with myself. And Mm -hmm. 
made me feel like I was worthy to someone and that I still deserved to have a future and a life that I was proud of. And having similar situations where we've lost someone unexpectedly helps. Um, He's a little bit more understanding. Again, my relationship with Shane was different than his with his girlfriend. Um, But still, he understands that I have a past and it's not a matter of me loving Shane or me loving Kyle. Um, My counselor told me, she was like, I think it's so funny when people are like, well, you're replacing him. When you have a child and then you have your second child, it's not you love one more than the other. Your heart has no threshold. You can love as much as you want to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Shane is still very much a huge part of my heart. Yeah. I also still have more love that I can give to Kyle and they can both be in there and it's not one taking up the other space or a competition. It's, It's nothing like that. So yeah, that's, oh my God. That's amazing. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah. Obviously, it would, it would take a special type of individual to understand that analogy and that hurt and that love. And obviously, Kyle does because he went, I mean, not his wife, but a girlfriend. I mean, it's still heartbreaking. Absolutely. That is- um, and then one thing that like allows my heart to be okay with being in a new relationship is um, – about four months after Shane passed away, I went and saw a medium. And again, this is if you believe in all this stuff, which I yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. Um, the medium had told me that Shane and I's souls had had multiple lives together. Normally we were siblings um, and normally we had to battle it out together. Um, and when we came into this life, um, the gods or, or leaders or spiritual guides, whatever you want to call them. Um, they told my soul that I was not supposed to be with Shane in this life, that Shane was going to have to struggle through things and learn some stuff. And that my soul was not going to benefit from being with him in this life. Actually, my soul could be hurt, which souls are normally not going to enter a situation where they don't benefit and definitely not when they're going to be hurt. Yeah. Um, but my soul knew how much Shane was going to need me. And I said, I'm still going to be with him in this life. Um, and the medium told me that now that Shane has passed away, that there was nothing for me to learn from his passing. Um, that actually my soul has a lot of abandonment issues. And that's one thing that I'm not supposed to learn. And I actually see signs of Shane all the time. So I know he hasn't abandoned me. Yeah. Um, But that actually now is when my life begins. Um, And hearing that, I think, brings so much comfort to my heart that I was here to help Shane. And now that I've done that, I can live my life and I can be happy and I can choose to continue forward. Yeah. So I, you just said like continue forward. And there was another point earlier when we were talking where you said move forward. And um, I don't remember where, how I heard this, but I had heard this quote about grief one time that says like, you don't move on, you move forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if like you were strategically using the word forward rather than moving on, but I just wanted to call out that I noticed that you were saying that. And like, I think that that's so beautiful and so true because there's a big difference between those two words, moving on and moving forward. Absolutely. I'm, you know, like I said at the beginning, I will always be who I am because of Shane. So I can't move on past that. Yeah. Um. I'm just going to carry that forward with me. But when he passed away, I had two choices and really I have two choices every day. I can get stuck and have this black hole take over me of grief 
and think about all the things I'm missing out on with Shane and all the things that could have been and all the pain that I have, or I can accept that he's not here anymore and those things are not possible, but there are other things that are possible with other people, with someone like Kyle. There have been a lot of babies born since Shane has passed away. Like I love my nieces and nephews and there's still things that are coming and there's still things that are growing. And yes, it absolutely sucks that Shane is not here to see all of this. And I wish more than anything that he could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't change that. Yeah. And that's something that I really have to focus on is what is in my circle of control and what's out of my circle of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you would, will you just share a couple things? You were talking about the the hike and that I think that's mm-hmm. what I was referring to, right? When I sent over the email to you. Yeah. So you then went on to um to do that hike with Shane's friends after he passed away. Yep. Yeah. So um it's called a ruck and they actually do it all over the United States. Okay. And I thought Shane was crazy. Um, but I decided to take his place because that was something that he really wanted to do. And somewhere in my mind, um, I thought that if I walked this 50 miles at the end, Shane would be there alive. I, like, I mean, I knew it was impossible, but I think in my heart, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that saying, like, I would walk, walk a hundred miles for you, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I did and I would walk, you know, 50,000 more, but yeah. <laughs> um, it was definitely something that was very healing for me, but also those guys, um, I grew closer to them through that and just struggling and feeling the difference between the pain of my grief and physical pain of walking 50 miles. Um, it just brought me back to my body and, and that it, it was okay to continue on and let go of the pain of my grief. That's which so I haven't amazing. truly let it go. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's so amazing that you did that, and obviously, mm-hmm. like so ther- therapeutic it had to have been. Oh yeah. I want to kind of wrap this up, um, or if there's any specific like local organizations or anything that's been set up in Shane's memory that you want to share or talk about. Um, um, we haven't done anything for necessarily mental awareness. Um, last year we did do a fundraiser. And Shane's um, kind of slogan is save our brothers, which are his initials, SRB. Um, and we're going to do another shirt fundraiser again. Okay. We can't do um, the crawl like we did last year with COVID and stuff. Yeah. But um, the, we haven't found an organization yet that we want to donate the money to that's specific to, you know, like first responders or something like that. Right. Right. Um, so what we've been using the money for is Shane's big thing was education and continuing your education. So, um, for the past two years, we've given, um, two different scholarships to graduating seniors from West Jefferson high school. Um, and so that's what, that's what we've been using it for, um, for right now. So, and then they just have to write, um, what they're doing to change the world. Cause that was always Shane's big thing is, you know, like, what are you going to use this for to change the world? So yeah, perfect. Now to end all of this on a happy, mm-hmm. lighthearted note, I just want you to share one thing um, in your life that you are just like really excited about right now. Um, I'm excited for the future. Uh, I'm excited to see what life I choose to have. Yeah. And, um, just to continue to be happy and make a positive impact. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Glad we worked out our kink. (laughs) Yes, me too. Thank you for checking out the Chasing Courage podcast. If you vibed with this episode in any way, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, a fellow mama who might really need to hear this message today or share it on your social media. 
If you have any feedback, takeaways, or questions, slide into my DMs on Instagram. I make a point to respond to each and every message. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. But until then, think about it. What will you chase today? Today.